Welcome to Texas Style Coworking. The ranch office is a neighborhood community office that delivers a warm atmosphere with a heavy dose of Southern hospitality. Located in Memorial, Katy, and Baytown, we offer private offices, conference rooms, event space, and much more. Come change things up and check us out. Remember, life is better at the ranch. Humanity is growing and connecting. Tomorrow's world needs more energy from more places. But to find our net zero future, we must overcome the natural constraints of many new energy sources. This is the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast, where we look at the energy challenges of modern life and the innovators finding solutions. Join us for a low carbon, high energy conversation with your host, Joe Batir. This views of the host are his own and should not be viewed as those of any business, corporation, or government entity. Hello, and welcome to the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast brought to you by AWS Energy. I'm your host, Joe Batir. This is the show where we bring you low-carbon, high-energy stories from the people solving the energy challenges of modern life. I'm here today with Rand Taylor founder and CEO of Industrial Sustainability Group. Industrial Sustainability Group brings eco-friendly, performance-enhancing products to the industrial market. So they make heavy machinery and engines work better in an environmentally friendly way. That is the important part. There's so much there I want to dive into. So really talk about how they do this, how they verify those claims, how do they bring these to market? So with all of that, Rand, thank you for joining me on the show today. If you would, please share with me and the audience your background and a quick introduction to Industrial Sustainability Group. Yeah, great. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. Um, been looking forward to this for a while now. We, uh, uh, it's, it's, been, it's been quite a road for us because we're not your classic um you know came out of a a science background and this has always been a lifelong dream to work in any you name it in in, insert name of energy sector here um so my background is in uh trading equities believe it or not um that's what i did for the uh the first I, i call it the first half of my professional career uh i ran a trading desk on wall street um, had about uh, 400 people reporting to me. Uh, we were doing, you know, multiple billions of dollars in, in revenue and, and basically having a great time back in the 80s and 90s. And then in the uh, early 2000s, I decided it was time for a career change. Uh, I became much more entrepreneurial uh, at that point and started a couple different companies. Uh, one of the guys who I became friends with in my, early, in my latter years on, on the street, as they call it, um, came to me about 12 years ago and said, you know, my, uh, my family's been making fuel additives for the military for the last you know, 30 years, and we have a really dynamite uh, fuel, fuel additive that gives you better fuel efficiency. Uh, I'd like to start selling it to the general public. Can you help me do it? At which point I said, no, I'm really not interested, okay? I don't know anything about fuel additives and what are you coming to me with this for, you know? But he knew that I was entrepreneurial and that was the reason why he did. Um, so I, and like any entrepreneur would do, I said, okay, send me some product. I have friends that own trucking companies and large, large uh, operations that use a lot of fuel. I'll give it to them and see how they like it. Um, the short story is that they came back after uh, you know uh, six eight months and they all loved it and said where can we get more 
Uh, my son had just graduated from Bates College and was working uh, in, a, in a cubicle in, uh, in Jersey City and was miserable. And, uh, and I asked him if he wanted to start a company to which he pretty much jumped out of his seat and said, yeah, let's do it. So uh, that's how we started Fuel Ox because we started it with one product. Of one product only, and it was just our fuel additive with a combustion catalyst. And the goal, that was about 10 years ago, okay? The goal at that time was to show up, bring a fuel additive to market that was going to get better fuel efficiency because that's what the combustion catalyst does. It actually, what it does, diesel will combust at about 900 degrees. We'll actually get it to combust around 600 because we because of our technology it's it's able to um, basically interact much more easily with air so it combusts quicker at a quicker rate and a more thorough rate works the same for any middle distillate fuel including gasoline okay it just so happens that diesel happens to be our biggest market by far so we concentrate on the diesel but it works in heavy fuel oil gasoline kerosene uh, you name it um, so our job our job, our, our, our dream at the time 10 years ago was to bring a product that would give greatly enhanced fuel efficiency. Hmm. That was it. That was the only thing we, we really were concentrating on. And then about that time, you know, they started putting diesel particulate filters in, in trucks, uh, although it had not taken off the way it is now where it's literally in every single truck that's ever been, that's been made in the last 10 years. And, and now it's starting to be made, be put into all kinds of heavy equipment farming machinery, you know, excavators, bulldozers, you know, mining equipment, uh, you know, marine equipment. So, so really um, what we found out is that by, by getting a better fuel efficiency, we're also reducing the emissions dramatically. And that's mm -hmm. not something we really signed up for when we first started, to be honest with you. You know, so uh, once we realized that, we said, wait a minute here, we have, we really have our arms around something pretty cool here because we could see even six or seven eight years ago this is the direction that the whole world was going yeah that is really exciting and everything you're talking about with fuel locks and the the increased efficiency and and almost more importantly today the reduced emissions i i want to i want to take a step back though let's keep talking about fuel locks and and first I want to discuss this idea of fuel additives. So this one specifically that you're talking about, fuel locks, what y'all are are selling in your product, you've been referring to it making increased efficiency. I guess there's there's a, a larger question here of why why do we need fuel additives? Why aren't the why isn't fuel already efficiently burning right well i mean the bottom line is that if you all you have to do is look at an older truck or an older piece of equipment and you can see the black smoke coming out of the exhaust mm -hmm. that's unburnt fuel mm -hmm. okay so that's that right there tells you that it's not burning efficiently okay and now the secondary thing is that when you put diesel particulate filters on, on your equipment, on all your, which by, which by the way is required by the Environmental Protection Agency, that every every piece of equipment that's made that burns diesel, not every, every truck, every car, uh, so forth, and many pieces of equipment now are required to have a diesel particulate filter on there to catch mm -hmm. those particles. 
okay? So that, just the fact that it has a diesel particulate filter on there is tested with the fact it doesn't burn efficiently. Hmm. So there's always that. room, for, like everything else, there's always room for improvement. You know? And that's what we do. Oh, okay. And so are there, are there other additives that, I guess, help fuel? I think of something like a fuel stabilizer. How does how does a a a efficiency improvement or a combustion catalyst vary from something like a from a stabilizer for fuel? Sure. Well, our our combustion catalysts are are is an organometallic compound, so they're microscopic metals, because it's been proven and we've known this for decades that certain metals in a microscopic form can actually help fuel burn much more efficiently. Okay. Mm. So, but you have other additives that are, for instance, lubricity additives. Um, a lot of the diesel fuel now that has been, the, the sulfur has been removed from it. Okay. Um, that's another thing because sulfur is quite, it is, was, was quite, you know, bad to put in the enter, into the air and it was a natural byproduct of combustion with diesel fuel. So the, the sulfur was removed also 10 or 15 years ago. And what they did is by doing, by removing the sulfur from the fuel, you were also removing the lot of the lubricity. The lubrication, the natural lubrication that the fuel brings to the, to the pump, the fuel pumps, the injectors and so forth would come from the fuel itself. So now, um, in fact, literally, lubricity agents are being infused at the, re, at the refinery before the fuel ever leaves, okay? So there's an example of an additive that, that's used everywhere. Uh, conductivity additives uh, to keep fuel from combusting when there's a spark around it, okay? Those are also put in at a very early stage. Usually as they're coming out of the pipeline or being delivered into large holding tanks, that's when they put that, that in there. Um, but in the meantime, then you get a little further down, down the downstream and you're being put, and you're putting it into the, the tanks of of trucks and heavy equipment, and you'll have detergents being put in there as additives that will clean out the carbon, uh, clean clean everything out of the out of the tanks, and keep everything clean and running smoothly. Um, you also have uh, biocides, which will kill everything in the fuel because bacteria will actually will actually um, feed off of the off of the the fuel itself. And so the biocides are needed to keep bacteria from growing in the fuel, which if fuel's allowed to, if, if the fuel is allowed to sit for any period of time, you know, you will, you will eventually probably get something growing in there. So those are an example of certain types of, of deter, or excuse me, um, additives that are in the marketplace. Okay. So I, I guess a, another question here that I'm sure everybody wonders that, that thinks about and, and, and I mean, anybody using cars knows that, that you always want to get increased fuel efficiency and continue to have your car performing well. Why are these things not just added in and already in the pumps and part of the gasoline that we, or diesel that we're putting in our cars every day? Yeah, that's a, that's really a, that's an interesting question because um, it leads to an interesting answer. First of all, originally the reason why it was never done is first is they they really didn't feel like you needed it. Okay, meaning the, when I say they, I mean the large fuel distributors and the far, large fuel companies. They felt their product that they gave was was good enough, 
and you didn't need to add anything to it. And anything added to it was merely, you know, uh, icing on the cake, so to speak. Um, now, though, they're realizing if you you go you go to any pump of a major like an Exxon or a, or one of the bigger guys, they have you know they'll advertise that they have something in there, you know, to make the fuel better. Okay, so they're putting stuff in there to make the fuel better, albeit it's probably a much a much smaller dose than what we would we would we would do, uh, it, but it's it is better and it does give them a. a um, an improved product. Uh, I think the term the term that the industry uses is top tier. Okay, mm -hmm. so now they have top tier products which have a little bit more juice in them, and they're and and it's a better product for your engine and, and so forth. Particularly, I think a lot of the reason why they're doing it is to con is to combat the ethanol issue, because ethanol ethanol frankly is not the greatest fuel to be burning in your in your car. Okay, for a number of different reasons, and a lot of the top tier additives that they're putting in there. Are combating that, um, but it's interesting because, as I said, the you know there used to be a, a feeling that you know you didn't need additives. Well, now more and more you're seeing additives being added. You have you have the opportunity in many places. Uh, I believe Costco is one that you can go in and you can if you're getting diesel or gasoline, you can push a button and it'll get it'll for an added cost it'll give you an additive in your fuel. Okay. Oh, wow. So yeah, so you're starting. I'm starting to see change. Uh, I also have customers myself who I deal with that are that are um, that own fuel ad fuel stations um, that will actually they will treat their entire fuel supply with our product because wow. they want to offer a premium product. They want to offer primarily diesel, but we do have gasoline stations that do it as well. But most of them are diesel, and they want to offer a diesel product. That they know is going to give better fuel efficiency, more power, and it's going to be better for the for the uh, emission systems. And they can offer that, and they have customers that are, you know, that will not buy fuel anywhere else because they know what they're getting is a far superior product. So the what I guess what I'm saying in a long way is that that pendulum is starting to is starting to swing the other way. Yeah, yeah, and I guess when I started driving, which was which was long ago but not that long ago it so in the 10 20 30 years prior i have seen this same thing of where we talk about fuel additives and the 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 fact that they're just claims and they're hard to they're hard to um substantiate and hard to say okay these are real I guess the what you're saying is almost adding adding truth to the claims that you can get increased efficiency. You need these additives in the systems so that you can make improvements. Along those lines, do you have anything with your increased fuel efficiency and reduced emissions claims? How do you how do you support those and how do you I guess how do you get suppliers like this this friend you just mentioned who treats their entire fuel system with your product yeah it's uh it well it's, a, it's an ongoing sales you know cycle for us uh, and a lot of it has to has to do with um getting people to understand that times have changed you know the the years of that for instance let me let me back back up to the 70s and 80s there were a ton of additives out there 
that were getting better fuel efficiency and um, were 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 uh, showing um, you know just more power, everything. And they were all most of them were were metals based. And what they found was that a lot of them were leaving residue on the valve stems and in and so forth, and were causing major problems in mm-hmm. engines. And then that's when people said, uh-uh, we have to stop using these completely. That's where the snake oil, a lot of the snake oil, you know, uh, and negativity stems from. And what happens is there are, there are a, a number of, of, of metals out there that are very good at improving combustion, but they do leave a residue and they do cause problems long term. Um, there are, so that's when the studies really started to kick in hard in the, in the 80s and the 70s to find, find metals that would work well and, and, and accomplish the task at hand without any adverse uh, and negative side effects. And that's how our product was, was invented. Okay? Uh, originally a Bell Labs product uh, made primarily for AT&T and, uh, and um, the United, and eventually the U.S. military uh, was buying a, a fair amount of it. Uh, but that's what it was designed for. And it has been proven for, you know, since then, for almost 30 years now, to, to be very, very adept at, at solving the problem of better fuel efficiency, lesser emissions, and also being good for the engine. So that's, mm-hmm. that's a big issue for us. And that's when that's, but that's how it all started, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that is some interesting history to think about. You can, and you see this in other, other areas where you can have that, that momentary improved performance, but usually there are, there are side effects of that. You can, you can compare that to, to our ability to ingest caffeine and work really fast and really hard for a short period. But then we right. have a, we have a crash very similar when it sounds like with these previous fuel additives, very high horsepower, but you're going to decrease the life of your engine by doing that. Right. What kind of, do you have any, any customer stories or, or hard numbers that you can talk about to talk about the fuel efficiency and the improvements that, that your customers are seeing? Oh, absolutely. And, and just pick a, uh, pick any, any, industry you want and I can get, I can pretty much give you something that, that'll fit you know um, our we've been doing we've been doing testing for since we started you know 10 years ago so we just finished I'll give you an example we just finished doing two tests um, one of them I don't have the I don't have the data yet but I was told it was very very good from a, a major drilling company for that drills for oil um, and then another company that, that also that also is in the same industry, they tested on two Perkins uh, um, uh, gen, gen sets in Sharjah in the UAE, and they found and they got the, uh, they had a nine percent better fuel efficiency on wow. average between the two of them. Right. So and the other and I'm being told the other guy the other guys who I don't have the data from uh, were actually uh, very similar. The, the numbers came in very similarly. Um, mining, mining uh, we, we've tested on, we did a big test at a company called I Am Gold in Burkina Faso, and we tested on um, uh, three 777 uh, haul trucks and a D9 Caterpillar uh, dozer 
and uh, and one of their fuel and one of their water pumps, and we got them an average. I think it was, it was about eight and a half nine percent better fuel efficiency on all of them combined. Wow. Um, we tend to do uh, we we did something on a tugboat uh, at McAllister's towing, uh, very thorough testing, where we got them about six percent better fuel efficiency. Um, but what what we hear, so I mean, and it's like it's pretty much across the board. We're getting all of these, you know. Yeah. So it's uh, you know, you can, I have like I said, we literally have hundreds of these, and now we have we're starting to add on some emission some emissions testing as well now. Yeah, yeah. I wanna I wanna kind of shift a little bit to that because you mentioned that earlier. The reduced emissions almost is is more interesting to your clients these days. And so I think the the fuel efficiency speaks for itself, but nowadays talking about emissions reductions and the diesel particulate filters, where what are your customers saying about that? And and how does how does fuel ox and your additives start to improve or increase in performance in that area? Yeah, the. I'm going to tell you, that's that's that has turned into Joe in the last in the last two years that that has turned into my number one uh, point of interest amongst mm-hmm. amongst potential clients is the fuel efficiency not the fuel efficiency but the the, the uh, emissions issue. Um, it's what what we have from a I'll give you an example one of my one of our customers we had a customer that has, uh, they're part of a, an international um, uh, cement, you know, company. And they have a number of locations here in the, in the, in the east that we treat all the fuel at their, at their, at their, fish, at their, at their locations. About 20, uh, about 20 uh, quarries and plant, cement plants and crushing plants and so forth. Um, th- about three years ago, we had treated their fuel for about four years. And about three years ago, they had a major um, overhaul on management who came by and said, no, you cannot, you have, you have to stop buying fuel ox because it's three cents a gallon. And we're, gonna, we're going to uh, have you use a cheaper product that, that's going to save you a penny a gallon. Okay. So um, they did that for about a year. And after about a year, uh, they called us back and said, okay, we can't take it anymore. You're back in. Okay. <laughs> And the reason why is because it had almost entirely to do with emissions and problems with diesel particulate filters, EGRs, uh, that's your, your exhaust gas returns, um, and everything ancillary related to them. Uh, they didn't care about fuel efficiency, even though they know they're getting better fuel efficiency with our product. What they care about is how often they see those, that machinery, those trucks, in in the uh, in the shop in between PMs, and uh-huh. we cut that down dramatically. Um, and to, to back that up even further, we have another company we work with called um, uh, Dutch Valley Foods. They have about a hundred trucks on the road that cover the eastern half of the United States. And they they came to me about six months ago and said, "We just want to let you know that we're starting to replace diesel particulate filters after five or six years of using your product." I said, well, that's interesting. How many how many miles are you getting out of the, out of the filters? And they said, well, we're getting over se- we're getting over seven hundred thousand miles on your filters, on our fil- on our diesel particulate filters, which is about double the industry norm. 
Okay. Wow. So that that alone, and and they and they and they echo the same sentiment that what they love about our product is that it, it is that they don't see their product their their trucks in between PMs for anything having to do with emissions or fuel. Wow. And and that's where our big savings tends to be. Believe it or not, you know. Yeah, you could say you know you're gonna you're gonna save five percent or eight percent or something like that in your fuel, and that's a big number for a lot of companies. But mm-hmm. in the end. It's the it's it's the maintenance issues that save them even more. Yeah. How long does it take to do one of the, to, I guess, to replace one of those filters? Like how much? I guess what I'm asking is how much non-productive time? How long does your, are you taking that vehicle off the road to change out that filter? Yeah. The the filter. Well, first of all, you have you have a number of different issues that happen. You have the filter, the 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 downtime that takes place when you have a problem with with the with the, the diesel particular filters. They go through a regeneration cycle to to clean them out originally, um, and that happens every you know so so many thousand miles. And it can, you can only do that so many times before you have to replace the filters. So and then, uh, so so what will happen is when you have regeneration issues, those can cause issues of their own. Um, on the older t- on the older trucks, you might even have a, a crew sitting around waiting for the truck to go through this regeneration cycle. So you could have five guys standing around for 45 minutes while this truck does this, which is of course a total waste of time. Um, and then and then you have to take the after a certain yeah. amount of time, you, a certain amount of regens, you have to take the, the filter off and send it and have it cleaned out, and then you can bring it back. You can only do that so many times before you have to replace the filter completely. Oh, there's a whole, it's a whole string of negative issues that can take place. Yeah, I could see how and why that is such a selling point and why people are so interested in in getting that, those kind of issues to to be lessened in their business. Absolutely. So, so I think it's it's exciting talking about Fuelox and all of these these great improvements that you're seeing with this. You did say you've got two products. I'm curious, what is, I guess I've got two questions here. First one being, what is that other product? And let's, I'll, I'll pause there to hear about that. Yeah, that, the, other, the other product line is, we've called Infinity Lubes. And this is, I mean, as excited as we have always been about fuel ox because it's a phenomenal product, the Infinity Lubes are, there's nothing, there's nothing, no other way to explain it other than they're, they're revolutionary. Um, they're a, a 100% plant-based lubricant system. Uh, we, have, we have four, I think we have three or four products right now. The main three are our liquid friction eliminator, which actually goes into crankcases and gearboxes and mixes into your oil. It's an oil additive. And then we take that same product and we blend it into a number two lithium or, and now a silica grease we're going to have. Uh, and then the last thing we have is a spray where we put it into a, a, a spray that is a lubricant, a penetrant, and a cutting fluid. Um, what makes Infinity unusual, beside the fact that it is, it is, um, it is plant-based, it's, it has something called HDI 2500. That's the, act, that's the active molecular structure that actually what it does is it goes 
our product goes to the heat. Okay, almost all lubricants that are petrochemical based are, 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 are made to run away from heat, or they just naturally do. They run away from the heat, okay? Ours is attracted to the heat. It goes to the heat, and then anywhere there's friction, metal on metal, is what, is, is what activates our product so that it infuses the metal with carbon and nitrogen out of the plant proteins, making the metal harder. So we actually case harden it in place about 20 Rockwell C points harder than it was when it was brand new. And that, what that means is that it doesn't wear, the friction is reduced by almost 90%, and it also cuts down on corrosion dramatically. So whether it's a gearbox, crankcases, um, whether it's any kind, of, any kind of place where you would use uh, grease, uh, machinery, um, you know, it, or on a spray, our spray is probably, it's 100, as I said, 100% plant-based, but it goes, it, it's a penetrant, so it'll replace any penetrant you're using now. Um, it's, it's, and most of those penetrants are extremely toxic. Um, mm. it, it's also a, we also do it with a, uh, we package it as a um, non-aerosol. So it's a non-aerosol, non-toxic product, but it'll go into the, it'll go in and treat the metal. For instance, if you have just a simple, you have a hinge, you know, or your garage doors. We all have garage door issues, right? You, you, if when you yeah. spray that, you spray it with anything else. You're lucky if it's good for if it's good for a week or two, <laughs> right? You spray it with our stuff. You're not going to hear that thing for six to twelve months. You know, wow. that's what it does. I mean, that's the kind of stuff. Um, wire rope. We treat wire rope with it in on in heavy machinery and heavy marine commercial marine. I got guys with wire rope that's ten years old. Looks like it's brand new because they spray it once a month with our product. It goes into the, because it's a penetrant, it goes into the rope, and then when the friction starts, which is immediately, you know, it activates it and, and case hardens it in place so it doesn't corrode, doesn't wear. Uh, rust is cut to a minimum. Um, we've just been, in the last three months, have been brought on by U.S. Steel and Ford Motor Company, and we're gonna start replacing a lot of their toxic pro, uh, products they have in their factories. That's great. So the this is really exciting to hear about Infinity Lube and Fuelox and I think what I what I like and 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 why it's so exciting is the the replacing of the different toxic lubes and toxic products and the way that it is really adding value and adding a a level of 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 more environmentally friendly societal, I guess, production and manufacturing. Um, right. That has nothing to do with my question. I <laughs> kind of, so it's, it's cool to hear this and the exciting products you're bringing. The question is why are these the only two products that you have at this point? Um, you know, it's, it's been a progression for us since we started Fuelox. And we realized about five years ago that we really needed to start looking at other products that would be complementary. Because what we do with the, and, and here's, and here's a, I, I stole a tagline from one of my customers, uh, <laughs> Innovo, you know. Their, their, their tagline is, um, it is it's, uh, what is it, profitable net zero, hmm. okay? And whether it's profitable net zero or, or profitable, uh, you know, uh, 
carbon reduction, whatever the case may be, that's where we, that's really what we are all about. And we started with that about five years ago, saying, you know what, we got a great product here that does this. We should be looking for other um, yeah. industrial focused products that, that are better for the environment, they're better for the people using them, okay? They're not toxic, yet they're also profitable to the company that's using them. Because we don't believe those things you know, can't go together, okay, yeah. or are mutually exclusive. And I, and I honestly think that's something that the world has a difficult time accepting because yeah. we all know that in the past that if you bought something that was green, it was usually twice as expensive and half as good, you know, yeah. and you were doing it because you wanted to do something good for the environment that you knew you were giving up something, you know, on the other side. And we don't think you have to do that. So we're, we're, we're always looking now we have a we have a little bit of a of a um, of a of, a, of a, uh, a hurdle because we're not a big company, okay? And even though we've added people on and added so we 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 don't have the capacity to, to have a million different products, okay? So we're very we're very you know picky about what we about we do what we do. Plus, whatever we bring on has to be tested, and we have to make sure that it does what we say it does. Yeah. Uh, we're we're always looking. We have a few things in the hopper now, but nothing that um, you know that that is you know we're ready to roll out right away. Uh, yeah. What we are ready to roll out right away is a couple other uh, a couple other improvements. But uh, right now, as far as new products go, we don't have you know there's there we're, we got our hands full of what we have at the moment. Okay, yeah. So it, what it sounds like is that you want to that that phrase of profitable net zero or profitable carbon reductions. I think that's a, a good way to sum it up that you're bringing these good products for the environment in a profitable way. So you're adding value to your end users while also cleaning things up, so to speak. Yes. And that's hard to do. <laughs> that's, I guess that's the point. It's hard to do to find those products. When you're looking for those, is it is it R and D that you're doing in house? Is it finding products that others have developed? Is it doing patent searches that aren't being used? Like, what is that process? If you don't, if you can share, yeah, it's a it's a combination of all of those. Um, it's a combination of we've had customers that have brought us interesting ideas. We've had um, we've had uh, we've found interesting ideas of our own just by by. You know, doing our homework. Um, we, but in the end, whenever we do something, we always conduct R and D on our own. Okay, we don't take anybody's word for it. We may take someone's word as a, hey, this is a great place to look, you know, and may get the ball rolling, rolling doing that. But in the end, before we put our name on it at all, we're gonna we're gonna do all our homework ourselves. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's, that's one of the things I. That's one of the things I did with the the last thing I did with. Infinity Lubes was I sent our, I sent the grease to Felix Labs in Chicago, and I had them do an ASTM 4170 fret test, how much metal actually wears off, and I sent them two of our two other major competitors of ours, and uh, actually they came they called me up and they said you know, wow this is an amazing product, because we actually both of them scored over between a 12 and 15. I believe it's milligrams of, of, of metal loss during the test, and ours was a 1.6, which is wow. almost nowhere at all. Yeah, that's fascinating. 
700% improvement over $100 a tube grease. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. So I I guess a, a follow-up on all that. What would be if what would what I guess if you don't mind sharing, what is that almost that unicorn product? That thing that you you just almost want to solve because you know bringing an environmentally friendly product would be similar to what you said earlier, revolutionary. What is that industrial yeah. product? I gotta be honest with you. I think I think that our 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 infinity loops are the unicorn product. They really mm -hmm. are. Now, adding some if I could pick something to add to it that I know I can sell a ton of, brake fluid. Okay, brake fluid is in every shop. You walk into any shop anywhere, and there's 10, 10, 10 cans, a hundred cans of brake fluid there. And brake fluid is some nasty stuff. It's super toxic. It's horrible, but Unfortunately, it, they haven't found a non-petroleum form of it that really works. Okay, um, so I'm not going to waste a lot of time because no one's been able to find anything even closely to it. There are there are a few a few that are less toxic, but the, it's amazing the the uh, the slide in in effectiveness when you start huh. getting away from the real toxic stuff. And wow. if I could f fix one thing, and I'll be honest with you, it's not necessarily for me. I'd be great. I think it's great for all those shops because it's the number one thing in every auto shop, and it's the mo it's probably the most toxic thing in there. Um, wow. I would love I would love to see somebody solve that. If it wasn't yeah. us, I don't care who it is. Someone should solve that. You know? Yeah. Well, I but think that's it. A... Go ahead. No, I'm just saying. In the meantime. I think what we what we solve on the other on the other on, at the, with the infinity loops is off the charts. I mean that's a, yeah. unicorn, a unicorn product. Our challenge is getting the word out, getting the yeah. word out, and getting people, and really Joe, getting people to understand that these products do exist and they are good. So yeah. they're it's the old school, you know. See, we're trying to we're trying to uh, you know turn the Queen Mary here sometimes, you know. Yeah. Getting people to think outside the box and think think about what's really possible, but yeah. it's happening. It's happening. It's happening everywhere. You know, you get, we've all seen the changes throughout throughout the world in how you know conventional wisdom changes. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And I I, I totally agree with you. And when we're talking about one that number you threw out earlier, three cents a gallon for the fuel ox, I think. Even for myself, if I'm driving around and and I paid three cents more for my gas, I usually get a little bit upset with myself, which is which is kind of yeah. silly to think about. But it's it's that mindset of almost all of us. We're all to some degree. We're penny wise and dollar foolish. We don't think about we think about the pennies, not what does this do long term for us and how does it help our how does it help our neighbors? How does it help? those people who keep our cars running properly, the mechanics and the industries that keep the lights on and keep producing the goods we need. That's where reducing the toxicity and increasing the efficiencies and reducing the emissions, I think that's so important. And it's something that we don't see every day. And that's that's almost the hard part for, for all of us. So yeah. Which is why I'm so glad that, that you're on the show and, and talking about it and, and getting the word out. Well, 
With that, I think we should transition into my final questions. These are the questions that I ask all of my guests. That first question being, what is a favorite book of yours that you would recommend? You know, it's interesting. Uh, I've, I've listened to a few of your podcasts, right? I have to be honest with you. Um, and I'm not your, I don't think I'm your typical person here <laughs> because I've read, I've read tons of, of business books. I've read tons of sales books. I've read, you know, I, and, and you know what? Um, I love most, I got took something out of all of them, but the, the books I enjoy, uh, and I, I tend to be more of an audio guy, okay? Um, yeah. and, and I've really, in the last, in the last five or six years, I've really transitioned to, to listening over, over reading. But I gotta tell you something, the books I enjoy are, the, are mostly history bent because I think you learn a lot from history, you know? And I think that's something that our society really has lost. I mean, it's like, no one wants to pay attention to history. And we all know what happens when that happens, right? Yeah. So we're gonna live it again, baby. So it's, and, it's, and, and you see it every day, you know? Like, why are we thinking this way when this has been proven not to work in the past? So having yeah. said that, um, I, I, lately the, 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 the few books I've read that, that I, or that I've listened to that I really like, um, I, I read Confessions of, a, of an Economic Hitman by John Perkins, which is fantastic. It tells how the beginning of you know, the United States, uh, how they really went after you know, to, to help to supposedly help these underprivileged nations back in the 60s and mm -hmm. 70s. Um, and really, it was just a way of getting our foothold in there and controlling these smaller countries, um, these less developed countries, and controlling, whether it was controlling, usually because there was, there were, there were some sort of, you know, um, natural resources involved, right? Mm -hmm. uh, great book uh, from a guy who, who lived it. Um, and I, anything by, by Dan Carlin, who does who does the um, um, hardcore history? Uh, okay. Phenomenal. I, I just he has a way of telling history that is just amazing. You know? So you can find him anywhere on the internet. Um, and then, in a totally different bent, there's a a friend of mine who's a re, who's from Appalachia, and is just a fantastic guy. Said so you've got to read the Frontiersman, and by by Adam Alan Eckert. I, I've I listened to it. It took me like six weeks because it's a long, long. But the history of, of how we settled, basically, basically west of you know Philadelphia, from going <laughs> going going that way, and what these guys lived through, these frontiersmen wow. to settle these areas, and and they were just amazing. You know, just amazing stories, amazing people. You know. Uh, and and those are like those are those are three books that come to mind. I'm also a really big um, uh, podcast guy, and my what I listen to in podcasts um, is pretty widespread, you know. So uh, I listen to I, I will listen to the I love the, the all the business stuff, you know the Ed Milets, the All In guys, you know um, what's it Acquired, uh, How I Built This. Those are all those are all great. You know, great uh, business podcast, and then yeah. to and just general news stuff. You know, everything from Adam Curry's All Agenda, uh, No Agenda rather, to uh, Patrick Ben David. You know, and yeah. and and I, and I get a kick out of Russell Brand. I, 
I think I, I, I can't. A guy who's made that transition from where he was to what he's doing now, podcasting is actually, I think it's, I think it's, it's pretty cool, but it's also hilarious at the same time. Yeah, you know, but, um, but that's that's you know that, that's kind of, I'm a, I'm a little bit all over the place when it comes to that, but I want the it's a lot of it's very intentional because I want to yeah. be grounded, I don't want to be single singularly focused. I don't want to. I don't want to get my news from one one place. I don't want to get all my information of anything of any sort from one place. Yeah. So I like to have a wide range of likes and and influences on my life. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Quick tangent question: What speed do you listen to everything on? I, I listen to most of it at regular speed. Believe it or not. Okay. Um, it depends. If I'm, I, I might go to 1.3, um, but or a slightly more. You know, uh, if I'm listening to something I know is long and it's a story kind of thing. If I'm listening to something I really want to hear the details, then I'll listen to I'll listen to it at regular speed. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Just whenever there's anybody who's really into audio format for books and podcasts and all that, I'm always curious because that's. That's one of those things that I think is, I definitely listen faster than I read. So I've very similarly switched almost exclusively to audio format. And I will usually, now two speed is almost normal for me. I even have started watching YouTube videos at two speed because one just regular just feels too slow for me unless it's a real conversation that I'm actively having. Right. I get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm, I got, I think I have a, a little bit uh, of an issue paying attention sometimes. So, <laughs> well, thank I think God that, for the re, thank God for the rewind button is all I can say. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So the next question, how do we get to net zero? That's an interesting question because I'm not convinced we do. Hmm. Um, I think that I, I think that the long, the farther we go down this road, you know, I think we re, we stop and reevaluate, hmm. you know, each step of the way. And as these reevaluations will take place, I think that net zero target is going to change. You know? hmm. And I'm not convinced that, you know, that, for instance, net zero is the answer, you know. I mean, I think we have to clean our environment up. I think we have to reduce the carbon that we put into the, end, into the air. Uh, we have to do all these things. But I think as time goes on, um, I'll give you an example. Uh, they talked to all these experts about on the sun and the impact the sun has on sun, and sun activity, sunspots, has on our weather, which... So the range is from super significant to totally insignificant, right? And no one seems to really know. But yet, that's where all the energy that light, that, that warms this earth is coming from, okay? Yeah. So clearly it is significant. But yet no one really knows how much, how significant. So one of the things that they, they seem to agree on is that, well, as we stop putting carbon into the air ourselves, we'll have a better understanding of how much how much what impact the sun has on us it's like okay it makes sense but i think these are the kind of things that are going to come up 
going forward that are going to possibly change that target. Okay, so, but in the meantime, we have technologies coming out that we've never dreamed of that are, that are all, cha- they're all changing the landscape. Uh, it's a lot of fun. And we're, at a living, we're living at a crazy time in society and the world. And I think that there's a lot of opportunity out there. And I think that eventually we may get to net zero, but net zero may not be the net zero we think it is today. Hmm. Okay, how's that for a crazy answer? Yeah, no, I think that's a great answer. And I think it it's an interesting, it's an interesting, but also an obvious thought process of you should collect data, you should reevaluate the same thing you do in business, you set plans and targets. And after you've gone for a little ways, then you pause and, and you reevaluate. And I think that's a, it's a, it's something we don't talk about very Absolutely. often, but yeah, a, a great idea. So now the, the last question, you actually get to ask me a question. Yeah. How about this? Um, you're the guy who sits in that seat, right? And talks to all kinds of people that have all kinds of backgrounds in all kinds of, you know, in energy, new energy, changing energy, you know, whatever the, you know, but you, you have a, you have a, you have, you sit in the umpire's chair, you know, <laughs> I'm curious to, to know what your thoughts are on where you think it's going in regards to a lot of these um, newer technologies and older technologies as well. But like, where, where are we going to be 20 years from now? And what are, who are the winners and losers that you see coming out of the next few years? That is a good question. Um, hmm. I, I think that there are going to be. I think the the, so instead of talking about very specific technologies and very specific people or groups or or whatnot, I think the the winners are going to be those that are are willing to adapt, that are willing to to incorporate new technologies and and new thought processes. I think one of the examples right now, everybody's talking about generative AI. And I think the winners are going to be able to assess something like that and figure out how does this incorporate into the energy system and how is it going to help the energy system? The winners are going to be the ones who can can take a step back, look at the holistic picture and figure out where they fit in it and how they excel in that in that spot. The losers are going to be the ones that that don't adapt, don't change. Right now I'm actually I'm reading um listening to I, I forget the title, but it was the it was um the CEO of of Intel. Let's see if I can pull it up rather quickly. It it is only the paranoid survive by Andrew Grove and it it's basically just talking about there's these inflection points and 
the inflection points usually drive either growth or or shrinkage into into death and and for companies understanding the inflection point and understanding how to succeed out of the inflection point as opposed to just disappearing from it that is what matters and i think that that that's that is really what's driving winners and losers and what will drive winners and losers in the next 20 years the companies that decide they're going to keep doing business as usual are probably going to shrink market share for themselves and eventually to your point if we get to net zero at some point some of those companies may not be part of that picture because they didn't figure out what their role in net zero is which ultimately meant they didn't have one so i think that's the that's my take on it i think it's and I intentionally give it this broad answer because I think there are going to be dozens, if not more, individual winners in that process that are going to have a sizable component or a sizable market share in the energy system, but they're not going to be competing with each other. They're just going to be what's needed in order to have modern society. And it's understanding where those are that it really, uh, I don't think we know those answers yet. I yeah, certainly I don't feel like I yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think well, I, I, those are good points for sure. Thank you. So Rand, thank you for joining me on the show today. Before we sign off, is there anything else that you'd like to say? No, just thanks for having me. You know, if, uh, there's, there's a lot of information out there on Fuelox that, uh, fuelox.com. If anyone wants to look at our website or, we got an email. We have a we have a um, a YouTube site with about you know a couple hundred testimonials and things like that. But we're constantly changing, and our website's constantly changing, and we're changing because, you know, quite honestly, we're starting to get interest from places I never even dreamed that even existed. You know, mm-hmm. so that's the people who are open minded, people who really want to solve the problem. You know, those are the guys, Those are our customers. Yeah. Oh, I don't have, I don't, you know, we don't have time to talk to people who are looking in the rearview mirror, you know? So yeah. if you're looking forward, you know, we, we'd love, we'd love to talk to you and appreciate uh, you helping us get the word out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Rand, thanks again for joining me on the show today. And thank you everyone for joining us on this episode of the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, share it with a friend and leave a review telling me what you're enjoying most or what you'd like to hear more of. If you want more news and energy-related stories, we have all sorts of energy-related podcasts on OGGN. You can find them by connecting with us on LinkedIn or visiting our website. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or have a story that you would like to share, send me an email. That email address is joe.batir at OGGN.com. If you don't use email, find me on LinkedIn. And until next time, remember to keep it low carbon and high energy. Join us again next week for another low-carbon, high-energy story on the Energy Transition Solutions Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.